Okay, we're live. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Occult Rejects with your hosts, Lux. And the MY Patriot. And today we are fortunate enough to have uh, William Ramsey on the show. One of the probably, honestly, probably one of the best researchers out there covering these subjects, period. So very, very happy to have him on the show. I could say I've been listening to this man for years. And and you know what? I don't know if I ever actually told you this, William, but you were actually an instrumental piece of me actually leaving the OTO, believe it or not. Oh, good. Well, uh, yeah, um, I can say I listened to you while I was a member, and it was a lot of things I thought that you covered was amazing, and then, of course, obviously, there was things I didn't agree with. But I didn't, you know, I'll use the phrase Lux uses, I didn't toss out the baby with the bathwater. I said this guy still has amazing work, and I continued to listen, and I think uh, you kind of started to slowly plant seeds in my mind, and I remember even one of them was the West Memphis Three. You totally changed my whole outlook on that. And I really started to really question, and uh, you were definitely something that got the ball rolling in my experience of getting out of this this stuff. So uh, I guess I should say thank you as well. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time somebody leaves the OT, so like, for you to actually come on my show, it's, <laughs> it's amazing to actually be able to talk to you. So thank you for coming on. My pleasure. It's great to be with you guys again. Well, we definitely have noticed that you have done some amazing research lately, and uh, we're just really happy to have you on the show so you can go over some of this stuff. It's definitely an order that um, I would say is relatively unknown, uh, just generally in, in the occult world. You don't hear many occultists talk about them. You never see them brought up at a conference <laughs> or anything like that. So uh, today we're going to be covering the order of nine angles. And uh, you've got some fascinating research. And what led you to kind of start that research? Well, I think it really came back just like general me, generally researching the occult, knowing about Crowley, but also doing kind of the true crime investigation into the smiley face killers, which was about this phenomenon that really does happen of young men going out at night, disappearing later to be found in water. And so there was kind of like a real issue with that whole case was what's the motive? Like, why are people doing this? Is it a sexual motive? Is there a religious motive? Is it an occultist motive? And so it was kind of open-ended about how, why there's two or 300 men all over the world that this has happened to. And then somebody reached out to me. His name was Igor Sarsky. And this was really August 2020, so not that long ago, almost a little more than a year ago. Uh, said, hey, have you heard about this group? You know, look at these documents. And he started sending me stuff about culling and water and... Uh, all of this stuff that's associated with the Order of Nine Angles and their idea of human sacrifice. And I was like, wow, this kind of fits this kind of MO of what's going on with the Smiley Face Killer. So that really, I've done three shows with Igor Sarsky. You can see them uh, on my, uh, you know, Spreaker channel or podcast, William Ramsey Investigates. <clears throat> so we went in really detail about the Order of Nine Angles. So then I started searching, what is the Order of Nine Angles? What's all this material? And I realized I knew nothing about them. Somebody might have like sent me something in the past, but really it clicked for me in August 2020. So then I set out to really learn what it was at a fundamental, kind of like what I do with Crowley. What are the original documents? Who are the original people? And uh, that kind of just uh, metamorphosized into a book, which I chap- which I published in May 2021, titled Global Death Cold, The Order of Nine Angles, Adam Waffen, and the Slaughter of the Innocents. And there's a lot of kind of things that I showed and discovered at least in the book that the order of nine angles is influencing real world events 
some people have been caught uh, killing people. There's a guy in Toronto. His name was William Von Nudigem, and he slit uh, some guy's throat at night and was arrested. He has, actually hasn't gone to trial. So that's one kind of criminal act that's associated with the ONA. And there's other ones, uh, in, and actually a very recent one of two ONA associates in Nexion. They have this kind of concept of a cell, but a Nexion in Russia, uh, where two people were murdered out in the woods. And uh, so I really tried to compile those. And in a section of my book, I just title it The Order of Nine Angles in the, in the News. There's another guy, Meltzer, who's in New York City right now. He's actually in the MCC oh, wow. with uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. And He's awaiting trial as well. He was set up, was trying to set up his own military unit to be uh, basically betray them and kill them. And he was communicating with the ONA. So there's a lot of kind of real world things that are happening and have happened with this kind of strange group that really didn't exist before uh, the late 70s or early 80s. Yeah, I would, I'll even say, like, even when I was in Magic for a while, I, I had never even heard of them. Uh, I came across them, I think, maybe you've even heard of this site to go for research. I think it's called like darkbooks.org or something like that. Uh, let's say I have like free magic books. And I, at one time I had clicked on there. I was probably looking to download something for myself because it was around the time you know, I was still practicing. And I saw her, hey, I saw, believe it or not, I saw a sigil that I had seen on a Marilyn Manson album. <laughs> so I caught my eye on the site and I was like, what the fuck is that? And I looked at it, I was like, who the hell is the Water of Nine Angles? You know, I saw even when I was practicing, I still didn't even hear of these people until, re, you know, the last few years. Yeah, it's weird. It's really been underground. I think that they've been slowly kind of metastasizing really with the Internet, I think, is what they grew out of. But they already had kind of a little corpus. And I show it in my book of their original writings, you know, back from the 80s. And once those hit the Internet in the late 90s, you know, uh, millennia, I think that's what really kind of set them off and, and made them more influential. So I would definitely say that you've got your fair share of uh, more a dark occult orders, of course, OTO, uh, you know, Temple of Set, Church of Satan kind of fit that bill. But what sets ONA apart from those groups, in your opinion? Well, I would say their attitude towards culling. So like a, they have a septenary way. So it's the original kind of core documents is a sevenfold way of ascension where you're trying to go up these ladders and actually they pr they promise a form of immortality at the seventh level but at the level five where you become an external adept part of becoming an external adept is to uh select and test and opt for which is a german word for sacrifice and there's actually very strange about how much detail this selection process is how much talk about it in their literature what to do and then when to, to commit it and you can't get to the fifth level without having a some kind of sacrifice. So I think that would be what was their core differentiation. And I also would think that different than maybe the caricature of a Satanist that is in the Temple of Set and the Church of Satan, this group is more druidic and seemed to be a little bit more intellectual. I was gonna say that seemed, they seem a bit more intelligent. Yeah, the whoever, the Maya well, clearly is, a, who probably did most of the writing at the core level is a very well-read, sophisticated somebody who's been and somebody's been at university and a, a little bit like really like he got a stipend from his dad so it's it seen and he's admitted to this in his his own kind of biography that so it doesn't seem like he was much of like a person who had to work a nine-to-five job but it there's clearly 
new things. And it's an interesting element because the, the order of nine angle is not as rigid as maybe some of these other orders where you can only be in that order. We talked about that in the pre-show. But their ideas have dispersed all over the place. Their ideas of Nexions, they're actually talking to some guy recently in the Nordic countries. And a lot of these black metal bands have symbols from the ONA and have words like Nexion. So you see this dispersion of their core concepts uh, passed around. And, even, and the reason why I included the, the term Atomwaffen is this group that really popped up in the 20th and recently since 2015 is that the core ideas of the ONA have bled over into the far right here in the United States or little literal neo-Nazis because the core version of the ONA really is a post-Crowley, post-Hitler Nazi occult, satanic occult uh, mentality or, or ideology. No, I was actually going to ask you that. What What is it that you think kind of um, influenced or like uh, that they that their ideas came from? No, well, I think, fires, completely new. I think you have to go back to Myatt and his involvement in the far right in the UK. So at the same time that he's involved in all of these that kind of national action politics um, in the UK, he's also involved in the occult. So he's he's writing these He's actually kind of probably the ideologue, the chief ideologue for the far right. I think he was probably, the, strangely, like the brightest guy or smartest guy within people that may not be the brightest of the, of the far right in the UK. So he's writing a lot of arguments about why the ideology of national socialism, national socialism is really the best ideology. Well, obviously, it didn't get a lot of public uh, support, but I think it's really that core because he bled that into this Nazism and Hitler, literal Hitler worship or Hitler as avatar into the ONA, which is at its core. And it may not be as prevalent as it is today, but all of their timing, they go, the year of Fayen is the year of rejoicing that is when Hitler was born in 1889. So they they have like, if, you, if you're a Christian, you say AD, they time their time from the birth of Hitler. So they're clearly, at least in part, and their early rituals have all kinds of Hitler worship. And- uh, well, does that with, you know, Crowley. Right. So, so yeah, so they worship Crowley's what birthday, October 12th just happened. Um, so, right. So this is like a lot of Hitler stuff, but it's interesting because I think it's the ideology is very similar to national socialism, which is the making evolutionary change on a very vast scale uh, through murder. So the, the Nazis kept killing people because they were trying to, become the great man, the new man. Then they actually have this kind of new man, old man idea in their ideology. The future man is going to populate the stars. He is homo galacticus, according to the ONA. And these people who are holding them back from reaching the stars are the homo cubriati. They're like the arrogant people. So he's made, uh, in the original ideology, he's made this kind of dualistic thing or adversarial where the ONA are the good guys trying to reach the stars and these bad, stupid people are holding us back so you can kill them. So I think also also you see in the original Nazism that that's very similar, whether it's the hatred of the Jews or the Poles or the Russians, that these kind of people are preventing our development, right? So I think that that same kind of ideology is in the ONA and it's very core, even up till this day too. That's interesting. So like, I mean, I'm sure you understand or or know that um, I mean that even Hitler and Himmler were very 
occult. Very much. All the way. I mean, very deep. People miss it. Hitler actually has made a statement, I think, in 1929 that said he was a pagan to the bone. So he's made very particular statements, clearly anti-Christian. Uh, triumph of the will is really kind of a, a very much of the triumph of the human will is the exact opposite of the Christian tradition where you do God's will. So you, you just see that pervading Hitler all the way through. And Himmler had the the Sonnenrad, which is used in these groups, right? The Black Sun, which mm -hmm. is and, and Sarsky really does a really good job. I highly recommend people look at the mythos of Nazism and the ONA because it's this kind of why did they believe in that killing and darkness is a means of progress and the nazis did too right so this is a means to get to we just have to keep we're on the darkest forces using the dark forces to get ahead if, if you were to like go back maybe you even seen it too uh if you were to like go and actually like look for like old like uh nazi history and stuff you can find videos of them literally walking down the streets with uh what are those those things lit those uh torches yeah torches and they're like carrying pagan statues down yes. the streets parading and it's like choreographed stuff where like they're making shapes and the swastika out of their torches right they so were, very pagan and they and they like went back to stone worship they had like special places in germany that their pagan ancestors worship they had all the the uh what is it the language that they had the runes so they were really pagan. I mean, they were going to get rid of Christianity. They were just yes. waiting for the right time. Himmler, Himmler had went to Hitler and told him if I can ask him if I can find proof of Christians, uh, I think uh, whatever murdering Germanic uh, pagans. You know, can we go after them? And as far, as far as I've come across, Hitler was like, "Yeah, you just need the proof." Yeah, and no, they started their own group of people just sent out to find stuff on that. Right, so they had the Anna Nerby to go out and find all these relics and ancient mm. things. So they 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 definitely had a spiritual worldview. It was just a pagan spiritual worldview, and I think you see that in the ONA. And yeah, there's a really good book I interviewed a doctor Eric Kurlander called Hitler's Monsters, where you can trace a lot of that stuff. You can talk through the old Dual Society and really kind of their ideas. But uh, yeah. I had a guest on that too long ago that had mentioned stuff about World War II and said, you know. They don't think enough has been covered on the occult aspect behind it. And the thing is, we're not exactly probably sure what started it. And if we don't know what started it, we don't know if it's still going on. So something like this makes me think, like, is ONA just another version of that idea? Well, it's an excellent statement because if you look back at the end of World War II, okay, so there was what's known as the Valkyrie kind of attempt to kill Hitler. I think it was in July 20, uh, 1944. And then it failed, and it was von Stauffenberg. It was the plot to overthrow Hitler, right? And one of the key members, the Valkyrie is the movie with uh, Tom Cruise, right? Yes, yeah. Um, so the person who really was instrumental in stopping this was a guy by the name of Otto Reamer, R-E-M-E-R. -E so he actually survived World War II. He didn't get, get murdered or killed um, in the Nuremberg trials. And the guy, David Myatt, reaches out to Reamer, and one of his prized possessions is like a signed autograph from Otto Reamer. So he's continuing this Nazi ideology. So there's a direct tie. That Reamer, you can see him with Hitler. I mean, he was he became, a, a, after he kind of saved Hitler from overthrow, which just was a disaster because the war went on for another year, he became very prized by Hitler. And then so...
and it actually became a kind of a post-war fascist, I guess you would call it fascist, but and was involved in all these and other places. And it's interesting because Myatt was also involved in groups that were uh, gladio groups. They were stay behind fascist groups in case the communists were uh, successfully invaded. So um, I think that there's a definite continuum from the Nazis, which was a disaster, like 60, 80 million people died, which was a disaster came, coming out of that and coming into the ONA. So when you when you look at the early writings of ONA, you said that, um, what was the guy's name? David who, Meyer. David Meyer. Now, he received money from his father, went to university, did a lot of time you know, writing and uh, sort of forming this idea behind, you know, what would eventually be the ONA. Do you think, when you look at his family, do you see any connections there? Uh, maybe do they have a lot of money? Are they in people of high power? Or did this sort of happen organically? Or do you think that maybe there was some type of... I think his stuff? father was one of those people who uh, was employed... By the British Empire, so he was finding jobs in British owners, uh, protectorates like Zimbabwe. So he's always overseas, doing kind of uh, overseas jobs and sending money back to his son. And it seems like what, from what I could tell, uh, Myatt was the only son, and and it actually allowed him to travel. So because his dad was much more international, I think Myatt grew up in Singapore or was in Singapore for a couple of years and in Africa. So I think he had kind of a more culture, maybe a more cultured um, international sensibility. But I didn't see him as part of any uh, any kind of rich person's background. So I don't, I didn't see him as as kind of the privileged kind of class like Crowley, but more mm -hmm. kind of the middle class in the UK, but intelligent. And I think he went to Hull University. So I know he studied there. He has a biography of Mingath which I included part of it. And he actually has his own biographer. So to them, he's important enough to have an external third party, somebody who's bi who is his biographer, which is uh, very curious. But uh, you can go back and read through all that time. I mean, he, he spent his child 50, in the 50s in Africa. And I include kind of his whole thing about this Reamer who I talked about earlier. But uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it, it's... Uh, one, he says here, quote, one of my most treasured possessions that came to be a signed photograph given to me by Major General Otto Ernst Remmer, said, said, uh, said Mayat. So you see that connection, but I think he went to, I think he was in, I can't remember where else he was, Singapore and Africa. But yeah, I don't think that he had it, but he, something, he, something about National Socialism really attracted him. It was the kind of... Uh, aggressiveness and i think he's really kind of was a uh kind of a british nativist i think he lives in shropshire which is probably the whitest section of, of the uk right now hmm that's interesting now so so he wasn't like you know how like if you can look at d crowley and, and i would even say aquino um there were people that kind of had uh made big impacts i would say in the in the magical the occult community and uh but they seem to have traveled a whole lot as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, what makes me yeah. wonder, like, are you spreading something? I mean, Crowley, Crowley was all over the place. D was all over the place. You know, Quino's another international man of mystery himself, too. Right. So, you know, I always wonder, like, uh, are they dispersing stuff as well when they're doing that? 
think well, I mean, I think it's a good question because this guy's sending information all over the place, even before the internet, right? So he has a PO box. People send him stuff. I have like a, a section. I mean, imagine do you remember those old binders and folders that were plastic, kind of plastic bounded. Those were some of the original uh, documents before they could be compiled and put into like digital form. So there's those are being sent out. So I do think that, um, yeah, I do think that the dissemination was very important of getting his ideas out. Yeah. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah, the first time I had heard of sort of uh, how impactful that I, I just had no idea that they were in the United States and that they were forming a, a militarized version. Really, right? That's what right. Well, I mean, Adam Waffen. Yeah, Adam Waffen was. I mean, I think that there's a there's a place called if you've ever heard of Martinet Press, they come out of South Carolina. It's called the Temple of Blood. Their statement is they are a Nexian of the Order of Nine Angles, and there was a huge uh explosion really in august not that long ago two months ago because in one of these cases against adam waffen who some of these central members are are disseminating and reading ona ideology one of the lawyers said the government said that the chief guy there his name was sutter was a government agent and he had received one hundred forty thousand dollars since 2003 from the government and he was a it was more important because he was a central character in getting the probable cause affidavit okay by the judge to go and search these guys' houses and the, what they found put them in jail. So he was this crucial element. So this guy who's a member of the ONA, and there is elements of this kind of, you know, national security state elements in the ONA and in Adam Waffen uh, to this day. That is really bizarre that you just said uh, that it's, uh, linked to the Temple of Blood, because when we were doing our Shriner series, we kept going, you know, we'd always find these inner orders and inner orders, and it was like it just kept going further and further. And uh, there was... We, we thought we weren't going to be done with that for like four months. Yeah. yeah. We well, we're just going to have to stop, because it just doesn't end. And we didn't cover it on the episode, because I didn't have enough proof or enough evidence, because I just I kept looking and looking, and I really couldn't find much about it, but uh, that possibly one of the inner orders to the inner orders so like the jesters and stuff was some type of group called the temple of blood interesting was it That's spelled kind of all uh genesis p orge was it spelled temple ov blood because that's how this one is spelled i can't remember it just it rang a bell and i just i don't think it was i think it was yeah. Yeah. and you can see so then you see that genesis p orge is also influencing so it's additional occultism the whole um uh, what was the name of his group? The T Topi, right? The Temple of Psychic Youth. Mm -hmm. So you see that kind of infiltrating there. So a lot of these are clearly out there. And you can see the ONA. You, I mean, I've done enough um, Crowley work where you can see that these occult orders are drawing information from many different ideological ideas. Like, I think they're very druidic. I think they've learned from Crowley. Like, this guy, Maya, was in the OTO. He said he was in an OTO body in London and quit. He didn't think they were authentic enough. So, but so he learned from the OTO. But then, so all of these tests they have to do go through is uh, 
kind of extreme test. You have to go out in the, at night, I think, for the third degree and lie on your back from sundown to sunset without moving. Like that's really one of the challenges. Very druidic. You're going out at kind of trees and stuff like that. Well, that's even uh, that's very Ashram Argentum like, and I think uh, I to cross the to get to neophyte, it might be. You have to pick a. Uh, I think there's a couple of different poses you can pick from, and uh, you have to hold that pose for an hour straight. I've heard that. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's um, perfect. That's true. What's that? I from people I know that are are in the Astro Magentum. Like that's not made up. Like they, they've experienced that. Yeah. In the uh, in the book In Search of the Miraculous by Gurdjieff, um, the whole story kind of revolves around him getting this. You know, the the author Opinski is getting this training from this uh, occultist, mm -hmm. and uh, that's one of the most common things is that they would make them stand somewhere and just absolutely not move even if something was you know oh, thrown in front of your face and it, it in the book um Grichev explains that it's one of the oldest occult practices and that he practiced it when he was in a um in a uh a secret society before i think that that uh, the blood drinking witch uh marina abramovich does something like that too so with the Jay Z thing, <laughs> yeah. Remember when she did that? Uh, not too long ago. I mean, maybe it was a few years now. Uh, she did a thing, some kind of art exhibit, where she just sat there, and people were able to just sit down across from her, and they just stood there and said nothing and just looked at each other. Right? Mm -hmm. They do that. Actually, that's a practice in Scientology. You know that they do that. Oh wow! Thing. Yeah. I mean, even even come to think about it, there's a part in the in one of the OTO initiations where. You have to go stand in a corner and hold the sword the whole time they're reading something. I mean, and you're there for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it's even the whole thing where you got to go stand there and just fucking not move. Have you heard the story of Crowley meeting Gurdjieff? No. Yeah, they met in 1924. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Fontainebleau. I can't say it in French, but uh, I think they were they were interested in each other, and uh, he was there and. They, they just didn't, I don't think that they really met. It was from a book called The Harmonious Circle talks about it. The author is James Webb. So you can go and, yeah. But it wasn't, it was just something where they saw each other and that was it. And they had to see, Gurdjieff says, Mr. Hugo, Crowley assented, you have been a guest. Now Hugo, you are no longer a guest. Crowley, no doubt, wondering whether his host had lost his grip on reality and was wandering in the semantic wilderness. Humored his mood by indicating that his, he was on his way back to Paris. But Gurdjieff, having made the point that he was not violating the canons of hospitality, changed on the instant into the embodiment of righteous anger. You filthy, he stormed. You dirty inside. Never again you set foot in my house. <laughs> Just another one. White-faced and shaking, the great beast crept back to Paris with his tail between his legs. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. I'd never heard that before. That's that's wild. But that's right. I mean, it just also confirms Crowley and this guy moving all the time. Paris was one of his haunts, right? Mm -hmm. So there he was in 20. So you, you can kind of trace him there in 24. I know that you had said that there was, you know, what kind of sets ONA apart is the, is the culling aspect. Could you kind of go over what that you said it's really detailed and specific what what is it yeah i mean so calling is a husbandry term right so that idea is you're calling from the herd right so if somebody's sick or old you call and the, here's one quote from the ona it's quote if there's one thing which expresses the essence 
of the satanic ethos it is culling. And if there's one way to detect a pseudo-satanist, it is their attitude to culling. So I write in my book the most disturbing aspect of the ONA is their idea of human sacrifice. Here, here's their quote. For us, culling is a natural fact of life, of how we live or how we desire to live. Of course, there are different ways of culling mundanes. Not every culling takes place or needs to take place in some satanic ceremony or ritual, although obviously that is a great source of satanic joy. A good way of culling is war. Another is stirring up religious and political conflict. Another is insurrection, revolution, assassinations, and so on. In fact, any means of conflict offers opportunities for culling, opportunities for those of satanic character to weed out the weeds and reduce the surplus population of mundanes. Another more personal way and a good means of de developing satanic character are accidents and so on. Wow. And then here's something that I talked about earlier about the idea of evolution. Quote, the ONA goals are concerned with our evolution, our change into higher species, into a higher species of human beings, the breeding by our dark arts, including the art of culling, of more and more individuals of noble character. The particular ONA criteria are that some humans by nature, by character, are rotten, worthless, and when this rotten character is revealed by their deeds, it is beneficial to remove them, to cold them. Damn, that's a little drastic. Yeah, it's pretty intense. So, <laughs> then, I mean, this is their doctrines. I'm not saying every member, but if you get some, every member believes this, but if you get somebody who's very serious, that's what they're writing about. And they talk about, I mean, we can go into how they do selections of offers and stuff like that. That's why, I mean, even, even when like, you know, when I got, you know, I got baptized and did all that, you know, come confirmation in the OTO. I mean, even that, even that, what you're, I mean, you're basically claiming to be like a soldier of horse, but it wasn't even to that extent. And like, I went along with it just because like, in order for me to be in the Gnostic mass, I would have had to have done that. So I just figured I, I have to do it regardless. So I just went along with it. But like, it wasn't even that extreme, but imagine like people like actually okay with that and really going along with it. That's fucking, uh, that's pretty uh, radical. Yeah. So I would say that, yeah. So that is satanic sacrifice makes a contribution to improving the human stock removing the worthless the weak the diseased this naturally this cooling occurs on a somewhat larger scale by using magical means to direct influence and control events in real time you know of that movie uh, you ever see midsummer midsummer yeah yeah, no, yeah like they, yeah they just you know knock themselves off and they get to a certain point yeah yeah, they have the whole sacrifice for the uh, for the equinox and all of that. So, have you seen anything in the literature that kind of points to them saying, "Well, the reason you know we're, we're, is this a require? This is a requirement in order to achieve some some grade." I know that you had said you have to to do this culling uh, to achieve a grade, but it it when in spiritual sense, did they say, "Okay, well, by us killing, this allows us to." gain more power because uh i had remembered seeing something i believe it was with the ona where they had the plan essentially why they're doing this you know left-hand path is so that they can remain sort of in this in-between place uh where they get to kind of stay as these energetic powers on earth after death and or once they achieve this grade and they can more or less be like uh, gods on earth there's something like that in there's where you can actually capture you're actually supposed to become somebody else's spirit at the end and become immortal 
and they use this kind of uh, pyramidal, uh, you know, crystal triangle, which you'll see with a lot of ONA people. And that's supposed to like capture your spirit and you're supposed to transfer it into another, another being. So that's their solution to, to death and immortality. As far as these um, sacrifices changing the world, like I said, they're trying to, to create aeonic change. So they use that term that Crowley used. So you're supposed to create this new aeon through the death of these sacrifices. So you're trying to make political change. It's a political change into this kind of dark imperium that they talk about. Um, There's a a thing, you know, one of the, uh, you know, I'm not totally sure. And I'm just, this is my take on it, but they're like higher up in one of the OTO initiations uh, starts to sound sexual. Um, Maybe there is sex used, but I think a lot of it is um, just more terms to kind of like confuse people. But there is a part where they get into the homunculus. Right. And uh, I, you know, it looks as if on paper that you might be possessing like a small unborn child. But in my opinion, what they're talking about is actually, I think, bringing in another spirit or something from that in the, from the spirit world across the abyss, not from here, and actually, impr- you know, imprinting it or putting it in to somebody else, actually. That's what I think the ritual is actually saying. And uh, I find it interesting that you're almost saying the same thing for them now. Right. Something like that. There's something like that in their kind of higher levels. But I think Moonchild, Curly's Moonchild is about. That's what I think it is, actually. I I think that's actually uh, that stuff is is possibly neither like maybe the person was birth specific time for a specific ritual or if. Something about bringing another uh, entity within that body instead, like kind of like swapping souls. Yeah, I think there's something like that at the highest level, the seventh level of the ONA. I have, I have to go back and relearn that, but uh, yeah. Interesting. So as far as, uh, you know, I, I've, I heard you mention Satan a lot, but do they ever use the term Lucifer? Or, I mean, do they? is there a difference to them uh, between Lucifer and Satan? And if, if so, what is the... Why are they focusing on Satan instead of another? Term I think for that? that they use them interchangeably. So I didn't okay. see, but they talk about. Um, I think they talk a little bit about it. like when they're doing their rituals in Latin, they use the word Lucifer. So like the original kind of, uh, like they say once to my exceeding joy, Lucifer. So they're definitely talking about it. But there's some Latin in there. This guy, so one of the interesting concepts of the ONA is to engage in insight roles. And the insight role is to try to have the ONA member infiltrate but also learn. So maybe they would go join the National Guard or they would go join a monastery. So this guy might spent 18 months in a Christian Catholic monastery. And you can tell that a lot of what he learned in that monastery, he integrated into the ONA through chanting and weird chants in Latin. So that's what they they also try to get their adherents to do is to go join things and infiltrate them and try to turn them into kind of ONA uh, influence groups. Hmm. But yeah, Lucifer is around. I mean, uh, you know, they say, here's one in Naos, the original documents. Lucifer is regarded as the light bringer. 
Um, so it's the word is definitely, I mean, the, the, the archetype, the mistress of the earth in the bride of Lucifer. So they talk about that kind of almost like a Baphomet kind of figure. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I was wondering if they thought Lucifer or Satan was more of a, an archetype or if it was a, uh, an actual being. Actual being. They were, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good question. And I, sometimes that's left up to the viewer, but their 21 dark gods are supposed to be entities outside of this realm in an a-causal realm. And the idea is to presence them into yourself and you become, you shapeshift into those kind of people or those types of beings. So there's, you got to go look at and each demon God or whatever is almost similar to like Lovecraft's dark ones. And so you're supposed to integrate it. And I would suggest if you want to see kind of a visual depiction of ONA ideology, you want to go see um, Ed Sheeran, who you know is a famous musician. He put he put out one of the most incredible ONA videos I've ever seen. That which uh, doesn't say it's ONA at all, but it is his most recent video. I'm trying to remember the freaking name of it. It's called Bad Habits. Go watch Bad Habits. There's the smiley face killing. They basically are like there's vampirism, which is involved in the ONA. You'll see the vampirism theme. But there's, they transmogrify, and when the sun comes up, they just go back to their original cells. So they've, sh they've shape-shifted. It's really incredible. Uh, would, you well, got to go see Watch yeah, Now I am going to have to watch that after this. Yeah, no, it's awful. yeah that seems to be a uh, running theme in the occult, the shape-shifting stuff. A lot of people would discount it and just kind of say, oh, well, you know, it's old writings, and they're not necessarily you know, telling things the exact way they saw them. They're uh, like fabricating them. We're making them more elaborate, but I, to me, I see, I've just seen so much of it in occultism, and it doesn't really matter. Which I mean, I, you see it in uh, even old Norse occultism, things like that, like the berserker, the shapeshifters. Right, good point. Yeah, right, so, so you see that you see those themes kind of re revivified, maybe, and I think right. that that human sacrifice has always been on the human experience going in all over cultures whether it's the druids of france if you look at um carthage where they were sacrificing babies there's statements in the old testament to baal right and even kind of even in like polynesia where or uh, mayan history or aztec where you know they threw the vert the maiden into the uh volcano or chuck the person in the cenote, or cut out the hearts on the top of a temple. Mm -hmm. So I think that these these ideas, these cultural ideas, really dark cultural ideas, have been integrated in even some of these more modern, like the ONA, modern ONA kind of practice. Mm. You know, I was uh, wanted to ask if you knew Ramsey. I think I think you had touched on it earlier about maybe specific practices or something that they do, but. Do they have like you know how like the OTO has their Gnostic mass? Do they have like any any version of that or like um a book that they you know that they have the book of the law of the OTO? So like the OTO has like even when it comes to rituals, they, they for sure do the equinoxes and they you know always do the three days for the book of the law. Does the ONA have stuff like that that you've come across? I mean, I think that it goes back. You'll see like these modern guys, the Adam Waffen people. They're talking about the original kind of books like Naos, the Black Book of Satan, Hostia. So you see these kind of similar books being bandied about. And really, these books are 
aggregations of small manuscripts that maybe Myatt or somebody wrote three or four pages on a certain subject, and they just kind of grew, and now they're in the, these kind of modern books. So I think that when these guys, um, like especially Adam Waffen, I think they they recommend people watch, listen to, or have uh, read Naos, and then they have like, uh, let's see, like Naos here, he says, um, Naos is a complete grimoire from start to finish. It presents clear associations of past techniques. Aleister Crowley, Austin Osmond Spare, traditional satanic practice. So I think that they include all that stuff in those early books. I mean, as far as them having like, like received books, I do know they have an oral tradition, like an A-U-R-A-L tradition, which means that they're disseminating information without books. So they're, yeah. they're definitely have kind of an insider's knowledge that the outsider, that, I mean, you have to probably become an insider to learn. So I don't know what that is. And I've heard there's secret documents within the ONA uh, OTO as well. Oh yeah, like I had mentioned, uh, I don't know if I, Lux, if you're, if you're with me, I had just said it recently. Like when I was in the OTO, uh, you know, this like you would know, there's the stalemic magic in itself, um, and I had started to kind of get into the Star Ruby. I had wanted to start practicing that. Right. I really wasn't actually practicing specific Thelemic magic. I had only really done like the Lesser Banishing Ritual and the Hexagram stuff, nothing Crowley specific. Uh, I had started practicing it for a while. I mean, there's two different versions. Then, I mean, even, even at the Lodge, you will see people do it different specific reasons that I wasn't sure of. So I was like interested in like, yo, like, you know, what is, what's the, what's the way I'm supposed to be doing this? Hmm. And there was a book that uh, a guy within the order who was pretty high up. A lot of people knew who he was. They all thought he was great. Uh, you know, just another idol within the order. And uh, he had put out or wrote like a book on his opinion and how he thought it was done. And a lot of people like within the order, if you're, I guess if you were part of the clique, you had a copy of that. And one of my friends had to like actually ask somebody if it was okay to give me that book. It was like a PDF. And, you know, so stuff does go like there is, you know, stuff that the public odds are will not see that's, you know, done from members that. Right. Well, look at Damien Eccles. He has a book called Mind Magic. And nobody outside of his group, to my knowledge, has ever gotten a copy or read that. But I think that he uses what's in that book when he talks to people in the media or other people that he's constantly trying to, and you know, manipulation, occult manipulation is a very important theme to all occult orders. And I think that that's what he's doing too. Mm. And that's another example. Like I have never been able to get a copy of Mind Magic. Mm. Yeah, that was one of the uh, experiences that I had too in the Golden Dawn. I was like the, one of the first times that I actually went to the, uh, one of the meetings or a mass, I remember somebody telling me, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you after initiation uh, what you see in the books that are out in the public. Uh, even what we've told you so far is not actually the way that you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do it this way. And then showed me all these other different steps that I totally was unaware was even part of it. Wow. You know what I wanted to ask you, Ramsey, too? I have heard, and I think Lux even mentioned it to me. Uh, have you ever heard anything with the Order of Nine Angles? with like, I guess, I don't know if it's part of a, a degree or, but it's something that at some point you're supposed to, I think, pretend to be like a different person for like a year straight or something like that. Well, I think that might tie into what I was talking about earlier, the inside rules where you do yeah. take on kind of a different per persona 
like my later in his life became a radical Muslim, like which very is very strange thinking that he's a national socialist. But because the Muslims ideas were somewhat similar, or overlapped, like violence changed through violence, it kind of fit. And then you'll see these kind of strange things where some other Nazis become Muslims. They literally transform like one of the earlier members of Adam Adamwaffen became a Muslim and uh, his name was Anders or something. And so um, as far as like becoming somebody else, yes, I would definitely say. And also like the kind of ideas of this idea of shrenching that they talk about, which I include in the concepts, which is you're just supposed to be as normal as possible. Like you don't, be a caricature of a Satanist. You just look like a normal person, but you're still practicing that magic, right? So you don't have any external totems or necklaces or rings or anything. So there's, there's definitely those ideas are in the ONA for sure. I wonder if that is like influenced from Frankism. Like I had even <laughs> be surprised. Yeah, I just was thinking about that too. Yeah, because that's like a thing. I mean, even the guy I forgot was already forgot his name. The guy who started it, he was a Jew. And he, you know, used some could have been an excuse, but he switched over to being a Muslim too. Interesting. Well, yeah, well, he it too. Danger, but you know, right. yeah. And then he even encouraged that among his members and said, uh, "Obviously, we can't practice this out in the open. We're getting way too much heat. Uh, so what we got to do is go all over the world. We got to infiltrate politics. You know, uh, everything from education to science. Yeah, and uh, you, go ahead, pick some religion that you want to pick it, but." Just know at the end of the day, you're always a Frankist. And to the outside world, you're just, this is a, a false persona. Wow. And and uh, that was like one of the core elements to the survival of the Frankists. So. Wow, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and they it, were, they were going to bring about change by doing the most perverse things, right? Isn't that what their whole kind of core is? Yeah. Like they're bringing the Armageddon or the end of oh, the world right. through people. Right. Yeah, they think that the more evil that you do, it's actually uh, forcing the hand of God to return because the, you're making the world so corrupt. Uh, but again, for them, though, the return, you know, of this Messiah is actually what, you know, other religions would consider the Antichrist. So, oh, so, so did they specifically state that they're trying to bring the Antichrist or they're trying to bring the Messiah or, or the Father God? Uh, yeah, I mean, they use uh messiah but they um they never outright say antichrist but it's you know it's just very fluffy the way that they uh the way that they word things but you know it doesn't take long to really figure out what they're saying so no, especially from the things that they suggested to do in your own life i think it's quite obvious yeah wow right and they almost it's, it's funny that people like i think they were okay with like you know having sex with kids and all that shit yep. like that, that was part of it yep and they believed that that was uh, not a bad thing. It brought you closer to God. And that's really weird because now that we mention it, there's a lot of similarities between the two groups. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that there's like a definite strain of like child abuse and pedophilia in the ONA, at least some of these more near recent cases. They've happened in the UK where these kids, they're young, they're like 17, 16. They've been caught with. ONA doctrines or materials and child porn. Really? Yes. You can actually look it up. You can go type in ONA into Wikipedia and look at the there's like a paragraph saying these guys are also into like child porn. 
So the Nazi, the cult Nazis are into child porn. It's really, wow. yeah, you can look it up. I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I just talked about Dimock. I talked about this guy. I talked about that guy. And I didn't see the bigger picture once you put them all together. But I mean, it's so you just see that nihilism, that post industrial bleak uh, view. And I think actually one of their main books starts out with the torture and sexual abuse of a child. It's called. Uh, Dark Gates or something, or I can't remember the name of it now. But that was also published by Temple of Blood. So, um, yeah, really dark stuff. So I was curious, something I definitely wanted to uh, to touch on because I found it really fascinating. Um, when you discussed this on another podcast, that you said that they have a whole system uh, of sort of how they find certain people. Um, and they use the C, it was like uh, surveillance cameras or something. Oh, right. To, That's from like, Sersky, yeah. So that ties into, okay, so there was a doc, okay, it gets complex. There, there was one character by the name of Fleming who I write about who was an ONA member, also I think a member of National Action, which is the far-right group, not so satanic, but like their version of maybe a Nazi group or a national socialist type group in the UK. And you there was a posting on that, on one of his threads that on his website, and it said something very peculiar, but it had referenced the use, there's a system in the UK of video cameras that you can actually type, you can actually tap into. You can see where the video cameras are. So it was the uh, the reference to the video cameras, a smiley face, and the word, I think it was opfer. I kind of go back, but uh, me and Sarsky, Sarsky talked about it. He unpacked that, and it fits right into kind of uh, selecting an opfer and going out at night. Everything, all of their crimes happen at night, um, but it showed, it hinted at, um, it hinted at, the knowledge that somebody knows these video cameras are there, right? There's tons of video cameras in the UK that somebody knows the video cameras that kind of ties into kind of smiley face type deaths and talks about sacrifice, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about the whole smiley face stuff with that. Too. Well, that goes, I mean, that's a whole, I mean, I got two documentaries about that. You can see them on Vimeo, but, uh, that's a whole nother like dark well, underground like, thing. Yeah, well, how did you like because you think they're they're so they're part of that at least, right? Well, that's why I I didn't I don't have any evidence of that. I have I, um, I make it very clear in my statements. I'm saying that a lot of the doctrines of the ONA could overlap with what's going on with the smiley face killers. Mm -hmm. There is two, I mean, there's there's two sites that are associated with the ONA that use the smiley face. I have pictures of them in my book. So they're definitely, they're definitely tied into some of these sites. There's no question. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so. Um, Especially when it's happening around the world. Yeah. It's happening around the world. The ONA is transferring around the world. There's, there's new doctrines pervading the earth um, as far as, um, yeah, the smiley face killers basically is the phenomenon. There's about two or 300 men who've gone out at night or disappeared at night Ended up founding Waters. The two people, one was from New York, a lot of cases in New York City and yeah. Manhattan, and another guy. So it was Gilbertson and Gannon were the people who formulated kind of this phenomenon. 
and wrote a book called <clears throat> a book called uh, Case Studies in Forensic Drownings. But when they were studying the cases, they noticed that there was a spray-painted smiley face somewhere near where they think a body went into the water, and thus it got the kind of uh, you know urban myth reference as the smiley face killers. And so that's how it was known. There's been other journalists. There's been websites. I kind of stumbled on it through after researching Children of the Beast, where I kept seeing smiley faces, Alan Moore, and all these other characters. Uh, Genesis P. Orge. So I'm like, what's the symbol? Led me to the smiley face killers. I thought it was an urban myth. Then I, um, then I realized, like I followed a couple cases. There was one out of... His name was Joey Labute out of Columbus, Ohio, and Dakota James out of Pittsburgh, PA, where I heard of them disappearing. People sent me stuff, and then sure enough, like they were found in water like 19 days later. So Dakota James uh, was found 40 days later, and Joey Labute was found um, 19 days later in the Scioto River. That was actually covered by True Crime Garage, and I did an interview with them about that. So I've kind of just followed that I, and then i compiled those movies like to show hey this is a, this is a phenomenon it's real they just had a recent case actually in chicago of uh, another smiley face case let me see if i can find the name of that guy but it definitely i mean it's definitely happening yeah his name was um jelani day he went missing out of a bar september 24th 2021 uh found in water it's all fits the same thing man the hmm. same same phenomenon. He's out at a bar, graduate student. Yeah. Wasn't there a connection from Gacy to another serial killer because of a bar that they both, I think, picked up people from? There might have been, but it is interesting that you bring up Gacy because his last four victims he threw in rivers. Right. And it was the same kind of body disposal thing for the Atlanta child murders, right? So every one of those. Yes. So somebody's thinking on those terms, in my opinion, like this is a way to disguise the death, get rid of evidence. Uh, so and, how many total deaths have there been that, that all this, have this? I same? have to put it around. I have to put it together, but I think it's two to three hundred total young men that disappeared. Oh. I mean, my first I think my two videos, I think I, I put it together and it was I cover one hundred and twenty cases. Right. And that's not all the cases. So I've covered at least 120 people bring up cases to me that aren't even covered by other researchers into the smiley face killers. Hmm. I think that um, Gilbert and Gannon's book only covered 14 cases. What I tried to do is expand it and make people understand, hey, this is much broader than you think. And I tried, I added the global slaughter, which is the second film, shows that this is happening in the Netherlands, UK, France, Spain, Italy, I mean... And those are just places where I can figure out the language, you know. So I maybe have sure. Was, but it's, does it seem to be more or less uh, focused in those areas? Like, do you see a lot of it in Asia or Africa? Well, like I said, I don't know. I don't yeah. see people. They send me cases. There's actually like, there's been like seventy water deaths in the Sydney Harbor over the last like twenty or thirty years. So people are either getting thrown in there or something. Mm -hmm. So those are just because I can learn about those because people can send them to me because they're English. But uh, there's cases there. There's this is a much it's a global phenomenon. So, I mean, it's really a mystery uh, wrapped in an enigma covered in a riddle. There's a lot of strange things going on. When I first started researching it, because the first two victims were gay, 
I kind of focused in on the gay underground aspects, which is real. Uh, they just caught a guy. Yeah, I mean, really bad. He was out of um, Michigan who had a fake dungeon in his underground. And uh, he might have been involved in all kinds of really. Katunsky was his name. I don't even think he's been put sentenced yet because of COVID. That, I mean, hmm. So you don't know what these guys are doing. He had ties to Pittsburgh and stuff like that. So sometimes these guys get caught. They're just, you know, they only get busted for one killing, but they might have been doing multiple or they might have been doing, you know, a lot more. So, um, yeah, the smiley face killers is a phenomenon still happening today. I think that might be a few different types of uh, cults, orders, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Maybe using like the same type of idea of practice. Yeah, you know, like it's not, it's not may not be specific for one. Well, but. like it was a it was a known body disposal thing for the mafia, right? So they yeah. used to throw people in water. So it's just yeah. like somebody learned or learned some technique. I don't know. And there's a lot of occultism with that. The yeah. know, body in the water, crossing the abyss, you right. know, the, the the black ocean. So. Yeah. It's almost like they're leaving there at there at water at, for that symbolism to hint at that being part of of probably the ritual right well it's interesting you say that because i put in this book all of these kind of strange um strange they have kind of learning kind of almost fables aesop fables where you can learn from so-called fictional narratives but when you put when you read these these are like they they tie into the smiley face killing type stuff go read my book or just type in lurker of the night um, these guys are traveling to cities and killing people and leaving. There's another fractured flowing sea. These are incredible writings because they're not, they're like admitting something's going on with the water and things happening at night. It's incredible. Hmm. If you could guess, I mean, how many members do you think that they have? 3,000, probably three or 4,000. Oh, and a total maybe functioning members worldwide. Not very big. But there may be, like, they have people who are, they call them, what, Belobians? Or, now, Belobians are ones involved in the arts. They have, Niners is a term they use internally for people who have adopted some ONA ideas but aren't formal members. Hmm. And it's weird. Like, a lot of this stuff has been, dis, dis, you know, disseminated all over the world. And people, there's little pieces of it here and there. And you'll see, like, tridents and stuff like that that, represent Poseidon, Poseidon. So it's that just war again. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a war in heaven type thing. Yeah. Or Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if there's like a formal if they have if it's similar to other societies with like the, the formal dress. I mean because the you know the uh the uniforms and regalia because <laughs> because I mean it's I, I see the constant theme of distortionism. So it's like they're they're make they're chaos magicians so i don't see them having much order but they call themselves in order (laughs) no it's interesting you say that because they brought up carol in some of their conversations carol was brought up in a conversation with uh kino so like they know about uh you know chaos magic libra null psychonaut type stuff um but like somebody brought up what was crowley's um the various the, the ONA seems to have borrowed from one of Crowley's followers. What was his name? It was uh, what was the guy who lived with Crowley at Hastings, and he wrote a bunch of books. Do you remember his name? Oh, you're not talking about uh, Regardi, right? No, Regardi was one of them. 
but it was like Crowley's. Uh, he stayed with him in Hastings. I can't remember his name, but he wrote a ton of books about UFOs and stuff. Hmm. The only thing I can think of is uh, I know that guy wanted to put out that Psychonaut book, but that's, oh, that's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was Green. Uh, what was it Green? Yeah, Green? Greenfield or something. Greenfield, like yeah. Greenfield was one other guy, but it was. Um, God, let me, let me open my book. I'll, I'll get it now. You know, I have wondered too when they say chaos magic, are they just talking about like um, psyops or like uh, chaos in the mind type of magic? I think it's the mind. I read Lieber Noll a long time ago. I got to reread it, but I think that it's it's somewhat similar to. The ONA, where you go out and you you conduct, um, you know, you go out and cause chaos at night just for the sake of chaos. Mm -hmm. And I think that chaos magic influenced the Illuminates of Thanateros as well. So I think that a lot of those, some of these, Kenneth Grant, who's who I was talking about. Kenneth Grant oh, lived yeah. in Hastings, Hastings with Crowley, but he wrote all that stuff like about, you know, outer gateways inside the circle of time. These are things that are similar in thought to some ONA concepts. I know that we touched on it just real quick earlier, but uh, if we could go back for just a second. Um, a New York Patriot, you mentioned Marilyn Manson? Yes. Yeah. yes. He, I, remember, I remember what, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm almost positive. It's, I mean, I, it's on, I've seen it on, you know, online as a cover for an ONA book that has that, uh, it's like a lightning bolt within a circle. And then it has like these, uh, like these sigils of things like around it kind of, I've seen that in our ONA book and it's the same one. I mean, maybe I can check right now. That's on, uh, Marilyn Manson, the same sigils on one of his albums. Is it the trident? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I'm going to look it up now. Yeah. I, I can't, I just, I remember hearing somewhere that I, he was involved with ONA. I mean, that could just be my memory of being mistaken. But I know I he wrote a book it. about the Abbey of Philema, or one of his songs is about the Abbey of Philema. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. The, I never came across the ONA, but I do remember that kind of sigil looked the like the Antichrist Superstar. Uh, the Antichrist Superstar. I've seen that on an ONA book. I don't know if it's definitely one of their symbols, but it was on one of their books. Yeah, it's like the uh, lightning bolt going down, and then all those that shit written around it. The circle, or or is he talking about the lightning bolt? That whole thing, that whole. Yeah. yeah, I was just curious if they, if I mean, they have famous members. I mean, if they have people who are in the public eye who have more or less came out and said that they're ONA. Not to my knowledge, no famous right. person has come out, as far as I know. Yeah, they may have hinted at it, but I, I don't know anything about that. Right. I remember he got in trouble not long ago for the whole uh, that weird sex magic stuff that he was doing, right? And, uh, I think so. I think he got yeah. in trouble with somebody. Somebody said he was abusive or something. Right. Uh, I mean, I I know that you see sex magic used a lot in different types of occultism, but is it really prevalent in ONA? There's a little bit. I wouldn't call, you know, there's, I didn't come across stuff that I remembered from Crowley, but there's definitely part of their rituals has a sexual component. So some of the earlier rituals, no doubt, they're supposed to be like um, that component. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I just sent in the chat if you guys wanted to look at it now. It is the, uh, 
the order of nine angles towards understanding Satanism. Now, I don't know if this really is the original book cover or not, but I just sent it to you. It's the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Yeah. That may tie him to ONA. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I don't remember that sigil. But that downward, uh, that downward lightning bolt, I think, was used by like uh, one of the fascist groups in the UK. But have you heard of Mosley? Can't remember, but I, I yeah, look at Mosley. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, that was about all. I I just remember seeing that one day. I think I was on there looking for something else, and it might have been like a book as a suggestion on the bottom. And I was like, wait, I've seen that before. And I'm like. Is that Marilyn Manson's like thing? I was like, oh fucking yeah, we're fine angles too. What is yeah? I mean, it def I, I'm really surprised. This has been enlightening because I definitely did not think that there were that many members and that they were that uh, widespread. Well, I think if you look at chapter seven of my book, I show all of the different Nexions, which are their cells, you know, and I try to show the global reach. It's just Australia. Tons in the UK, Temple of Blood, Rural Nexian in Texas, White Star Reception, California, Iceland, Russia. Well, it was interesting because Iceland has one called Alien Nation. And when I did my first um, interview with Sarsky in August 2020, like my listenership spiked in Iceland. Like I never had anybody listen to me in Iceland. And I somehow peaked at like the top 25 podcasts for that week. So. Somebody oh, huh. kind of must have heard of something. Isis Nexion, Zero Nexion, Shropshire, Serbian Nexion. There's just tons. Chile, Sweden, Elruna, Sobre El Nexion. So you don't, you know, somebody could be just one guy putting up some kind of site, or it could be a whole group of people. I, you know, I, I don't have that capacity to like follow up or find out how many, how big these different groups are. But I think that the Temple of Blood was a good sized group. And definitely some of these groups in the UK, you can tell, are sizable. Hmm. Wow. So. Yeah, I guess it's just one of those orders that not a lot of people... This is, I'm good, really glad that we're doing this podcast, too, because I, more people should know about the... Because it doesn't sound to me like they're an incorporated order. You know, like certain... Right. <laughs> obviously, certain orders, like you literally can write to them and actually interact with them as a connected uh, entity right you like know? a corporate entity or something right right but it doesn't sound like that's what they've got going on here it sounds more like cells almost like yeah political cells i think there's some of it but i think if you really looked around you could find the outer head of the order and you could talk to that person at least if you want to start asking questions i can hmm. give you that person's name i mean i have a section on the outer heads of the order one guy was uh you might have heard of him his name was michael Michael Hall, I think he was a, he was kind it's kind of interesting because he was Michael W. Ford. Have you heard of his stuff? Order what of Phosphorus, it? Black Order of the Dragon, Michael W. Ford. Oh yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So he yeah. was actually an outer head of the ONA. So you see that kind of overlap of an American occultist you wouldn't know was part of the ONA, but I guess he just didn't gel with a lot of their ideas. And but I think he's from, like uh, Austin, Texas, or something. Oh, okay. Michael W. Ford. Yeah, I wasn't. I know that one of the bigger Adam Waffen uh, cells was Texas. No, maybe, yeah, it was Texas or Texas, Georgia. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because I was on their website years and years ago because I heard about them, but I didn't know that they were associated with ONA at the time. 
just had heard about these crazy guys, you know, like yeah, no, Reddit's I don't, an amazing place. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think that there was any overt, at least from my research, that there was an overt connection to the ONA. There was definitely a connection to the guy who was the head is Brandon Clint Russell, who just got out of jail in August, actually. He was in jail for four years for uh, bomb charges or something, web, uh, building bomb charges. But he traveled to the UK to talk to the far right. But something happened as his his group grew. Um, they seemed to become more influenced by ONA. And I think when he went to jail, a new guy showed up who was like, guys, you got to read this ONA stuff. So he started showing up on the social media. There's a uh, journalist by the name of Nate Thayer. You can check out his stuff and you'd, you'd see the pictures um, from their social media Instagram where they're holding up pictures of Naos or the Black Book of Satan. So it's clear that they're they're tinkering around with it. And some, yeah, so, uh, and I include some of these people in my book and sh I don't show the pictures, but I show that research. So right. some of these people have done a lot of work. There's a lot of guys covering this kind of weird ONA far right, much more so even when I started researching, it seems like just because it's becoming more influential. And, and these some of these groups have literally been prescribed. Uh, Adam Waffen Associates, like if you're a member of Sonnenkrieg Division in Australia, it's an automatic 10-year sentence. And it's interesting oh. to see that because um, there's like 16 uh, radical Muslim groups. And then there's one called Sonnenkrieg. So it's a new event. So it used to be just these Muslim groups we get prescribed. Like you can't be a member of it. But uh, yeah, so uh, the I think the ideas of the ONA infiltrated Adam Waffen. And actually there was a dispute. I think there was a Daily Beast article and like a couple of years ago where they were saying there was a dispute among the leadership of Adam Waffen because some of these guys are sympathetic to ONA ideas and these other guys wanted to keep kind of just more pure nazistic ideas um so you know, well, the things they fight about <laughs> yeah you know, one of the interesting things i've learned at least in the nazis is they all want to be hitler so people if you have two or three guys at the top of a nazi organization oh right they have a tendency to kill each other so <laughs> so you see george lincoln rockwell he was an American Nazi. He got kid, killed by a guy who changed his name to like Sittler to be closer to Hitler. Oh, and then there was another guy named Tomasi who got shot. So they have these kind of uh, kind of much more violent power battles because they want to be the Fuhrer. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the structure of the National Socialists. Got to change it though. They got to be the Shitler now. You know. It's yeah. So, <laughs> it's, it's. I mean. <sighs> It's laughable, but these guys, some of them take themselves very serious. It's like the people who come across these doctrines and go, this is me. That's what's really should be really scary. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Especially when you have that many worldwide. I'd be people, I'm sh I know that there's people out there with radical ideas, but just the fact that they can muster up 3,000 people or so, it's just uh, it's crazy to me. You know, a lot of these things are the, these types of orders and stuff. I mean, they in a, in a way, they do kind of remind me of – you know, you'll get some of these cults or like these these things that have like compounds. Now, obviously, these people probably aren't living on compounds, but it's like you get like these sporadic groups that will pop up and just have like the most bizarre and radical belief system. You know, and this kind of almost reminds me of that. As much as it's not like you know these people are like living in this you know specific area together, but it seems very it's much like ideology. How it's just very extreme things that 
pop up all over the place. Small little sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that <clears throat> it was weird because the ONA didn't have really any public, you know, impact. It wasn't discussed by politicians or even journalists really until 2019 with some of these other uh, events that are associated with the ONA. So I think that they had done a good job. Well, the order kind of kept itself under the radar intentionally, but they think that they're at their third stage, like the leader of them. Like they have these certain stages where they were going to have growth, where they were going to write their doctrines, then grow and then hit that third stage. So they, somebody from the head had said they're in their third stage where they're comfortable with how many people they have. And so that might mean they want more political power. I don't know. Mm. Wow. Sounds definitely keep an eye out for. Keep an eye yeah, out. Yeah. Well, like I said, I just updated my book since I published it in May. Today's it's October now. Tons of things that happened. There's people like the the whole uh, confidential informant stuff broke. There were like young guys in in UK who got arrested or came to the attention of authorities. There was a guy sentenced for killing two girls in um, a park in London, and then murders associated with the ONA in Russia. So a lot of things have happened, even in a short amount of time, relatively short amount of time. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Also for the, uh, the listeners. Anybody listening, you haven't heard of this man's show. Uh, when it does come to ONA, I think he has some of the best uh, work out there, honestly. So check out his show, his show for that stuff. Yeah, certainly. What was the name of your books again that we're covering all of this for our listeners? This is in Global Death Cult, The Order of Nine Angles, Adam Waffen, and the Slaughter of the Innocent. So you can get it on Amazon or my website, which is William Ramsey Investigates. And you can hear some of my other interviews with Igor Sarsky at my podcast or broadcast titled, which is an investigative journalist broadcast titled William Ramsey Investigates. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, I think uh, I think we'll pretty much leave it here. If that's all right. All right. Cool. No, that's perfect. Yeah, that was an amazing episode. I mean, you, you taught us uh, stuff I didn't know. So Cool. Yeah, well, yeah, really. there's a lot more in my book. I tried to really put as much information in there as possible. So there's stuff I learned. I think even just the section of them talking to the Temple of Set is very interesting. It gives you an insight on the way these kind of cult, satanic cult groups think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I found that interesting. All right, guys. I got to run. Take care. Right. Thank you Sounds very good. much. Later. So stay there. I'm going to send you.